What is up, folks? It's the Emulsion Podcast, hosted by chef and media producer Justin Kana. That's me. The Emulsion is a result of my desire to educate, share, and personally keep myself up to date on stories stirring up the restaurant industry. I also sit down and interview remarkable professionals that are making exciting moves in their own unique and creative ways. Fine dining, chef swaps, new gear, critiques, professional performance, balance, hospitality, as well as the occasional rabbit hole are all just a few of the topics we get into here. But the goal, of course, being that you take off your headphones or get out of your car feeling smart more inspired or more connected than when you pressed play. Where is the long ad read? You will not find that here because the growing gang of amazing folks on Patreon make it possible for me to hit the publish button every single Thursday and I'm eternally grateful for their support. But more on that after the show. Ooh, new podcast intro angle. How's it going, everybody? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Emulsion Podcast. Special also shout out to everyone on Patreon who can see this box right here because some of that stuff's going in your gearbox this quarter. Uh, today's guest is Natalie Popcave, also known as B and the Baker on Instagram. I was very, very excited to chat with her because she's in this really fantastic inflection point in her kind of journey of going from baking professionally and then going into kind of doing her own project under her own brand. Her face is on the logo. And I think that that really resonates with a lot of the DMs that you folks have been sending me as far as like, do I make the leap? I have a previous career and I want to go into something food related. And we definitely go into a lot of those conversations in this interview. She gives a lot of great insight. And if you stick all the way down to the end, we do taste some of her work macaron style. So without any more introduction, this is my interview with Natalie Popcave. Where do we want to start, Nat? We want to start, maybe we should start with that, with that question. Should we start with that question? Well, so what I normally like to start with is people's state of the union, is mm -hmm. what they're obsessed with in their own respective sphere. So for you, that would be pastry, that would partially be social media, that would partially mm -hmm. be um, building a brand for yourself. What have you seen lately that has you inspired, if anything? Um, I feel like I've been immersing myself in pies. Okay. Um, that's kind of what I'm known for now, which yes. is a blessing and a curse because I do want, I'm kind of breaking the mold into custom pies. Um, and I don't think that's something that really exists in Seattle is custom pies the way that you would order a custom cake. Sure. Uh, but at the same time, I like making macaroons and tarts and I do dabble in cakes from time to time. So... Um, being known for pies is great that I'm getting my name out there for that, but on social media, nobody cares about anything else that I'm posting. Interesting. Yeah. So how do you, why do you think that is? Why do you think that no one, well, being first is great, but also being the best is arguably better. Have you heard that advice where it's like, sometimes it's not necessarily great to be the first, um, website on the internet mm -hmm. it's sometimes best to be like amazon was not the first company to sell books online but they were the best yeah. because they had competition that they could like be better than yeah um are you do you feel like you're dealing with a little bit of that because it's so niche that people don't exactly yeah, know yeah i definitely think it's niche i am somewhat struggling to get a client base for it because I think my prices reflect the custom work yes. that goes into a pie. Uh -huh. And that's the thing. People people are so used to buying custom cakes and they don't mind spending $200 on a six inch smash cake for their kid's first birthday. <laughs> but nobody wants to spend $200 on a pie. It's Interesting. just not the same yeah. 
thing. I mean, I have gotten people who are willing to pay it, so I'm just looking for that sure. client base. Mm. Um, but yeah, definitely being the first is not to working for me entirely totally. at this point. <laughs> but I mean, it seems like a great traffic driver. It seems like a really great way to gain attention because it's not, again, it's remixing something, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, as you said, people are used that that's where the nuggets are is where it's like, it's adjacent to something that you know is already popular mm -hmm. uh but then you can kind of put a spin on it and make it your own that's where that's where it wins what hmm do you see it as something where you're just going to continue to use it to take advantage of certain holidays or certain monuments or certain occasions yeah and then hope that things just one thing leads to another yeah i would say that someone is more willing to pay two hundred dollars for a pie if it has their logo on it mm -hmm. or if it is a special occasion um if it's just a saturday and you want something sweet to eat i i don't want to yeah, spend yeah, that yeah. much on something custom either totally, so yeah totally. definitely having these uh pockets of necessity maybe sure i think do you think size is also a thing because like people think that like if i'm buying a cake for 200 dollars, that's probably gonna feed i don't know how many people would that feed like 40 yeah i mean it depends like if it's the six inch smash cake for your kid yeah. then it's feeding your child and no one else uh -huh. um or if it's a custom fondant cake that's maybe six or eight inches that will feed 10 to 15 people which is the same that a pie would but yeah sure. if it's just a super simple cake and it's maybe two tiers or a sheet cake that's gonna serve 50 or 60 people so so then it's like because i'm i'm fascinated with consumer psychology and what people think of when they see a price for something mm -hmm. right because i mean you'll flip it right around and someone will buy a bottle of champagne that they're only going to share with their significant other right for 200 dollars, and because it has a story behind it or because they i don't know have you seen that where there are certain wineries in napa that are allowing you to make your own wine now and it's like that. a yeah. custom it's yeah. like a custom wine bottle custom blends yeah too. a custom blend of wine so it's like a custom pie at a high price point isn't that outrageous but it's just interesting that that's something that you're so do you have a strategy behind picking different tiers or like yeah pricing tiers yeah i have um what i've called my not so basic yeah. lettuce, which is uh what i can do with one batch of pie dough and so that's my base price I used to call it a basic lattice and people were saying this is not basic. basic. What yeah, are you yeah. talking about? Yeah. Um, so I feel like that's a great way for me to not get bored with doing the same over, under, over, under with yep. the lattice um, while you not paying for something custom. Sure. So that's my base. And then from there, I have an advanced lattice if you do want something more intricate or more dough going into it. And then from there, custom pies on top of that. So there is... right. A tiered system so if someone just sees that i'm posting rhubarb on instagram or something and thinks it sounds great they can get that without paying 200 dollars. right so you brought up two great points which is you know lattice structure and rhubarb mm -hmm. which when we were talking before the mics turned on was all about when you saw this growth on instagram which yeah. Coincided around something called tumbling blocks. Am I saying yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So tell us about what tumbling blocks is because it's like it's a theme now. It, it's, yeah, it has kind of become my signature look, yeah. if you will. Um, so I don't know if you're familiar with quilting or tiled patterns at all, but tumbling, Anna's mom does does quilting, crocheting stuff. Yeah, I don't. No, <laughs> but 
Um, yeah, so tumbling blocks is, it's a triaxial weave. So there are three axes. I understand. Um, and it develops an image that looks like 3D blocks stacked on each other. Yep. Um, so I I find inspiration in everything, in shadows, in a stairwell, in anything. And I I just, I guess, I mean, I had already known that this pattern existed, but it kind of struck a chord with me sure. at one point. So I was curious if I would be able to translate it into Pido. I didn't know how to do that lattice. Mm. So I Googled a bunch of tutorials and ended up watching a quilting tutorial. Interesting. Um which they were using fabric, which is much easier to work with than Pido. Mm -hmm. They were pinning it into place. They were uh, uh, using these fancy tools to weave in and out sure. with. So obviously fabric is a much easier medium yeah. than um, Pido. But yeah, I went for it. And the first time was extremely difficult and I didn't get it. And my mind turned upside down. It was definitely tumbling yeah, yeah, yeah. over this pattern. <laughs> Um, but I figured it out and it was really cool. And from there, I've kind of, um, I don't know, played with it and made it my own and sure. went from there. So when you get when you get it right, maybe not even right the first time, but when you're trying something new now, are you likely to post about it or will you only post about it when, like, when does it feel ready to post about in your mind or um, ready for a client even to see? I would say once I get comfortable with it, mm -hmm. um, that first tumbling blocks pie that is not I made, on your Instagram. It is. It is. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, I had no idea how long to bake. Yeah. A pie that had three sure uh, layers of pie dough on it. Mm. It was in the oven for about two hours. My <sighs> pies are normally in the hour for a little over an hour. Yeah. Um. So there was definitely some tweaking involved with bake time and that so i would say that i am ready to sell that mm -hmm. pattern now that i've figured out the kinks mm -hmm. um things that go on instagram i would say if i if i like the look of it i'll style it and i'll post it if i don't like the look of it i'll rework it um i i don't know it's all just kind of what works in my kitchen sometimes i go into something expecting it to turn out great and it is a huge flop or sure. Maybe I think I'm just baking for fun and it turns out to be something really cool and I'll style that. So yeah. Yeah. I but it's also an open mind with that. It's also tricky too, because once something bakes, it changes the appearance of it. So yeah. do you find that you like baking it before or styling, styling it? it before bake? I, I like to see the before and after. Okay. And I think follower, my followers yes. like to see a before and after. Totally. Um, yeah, definitely changes structure and shape. And I think part of... What I do is, um, first and foremost, making sure that it's edible. Like I do work on my flavors and I do want something baked all the way through. So my Instagram is not just for looks yeah. whatsoever. There's not um, Play-Doh inside of those pies. Yeah, there's no glue. There's nothing like that. And it <laughs> yeah. actually really bugs me when people say that something is too pretty to eat because uh, I made this for you to exactly. eat. Like I'm eating it behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. I You mm -hmm. should want to eat it too. Um, so, Yeah. I don't know. I lost my train of thought. No, that's fine. Do you get angry when you see that people making food just for Instagram? Or do you think that there's a place for it? I think there's a place for it. I think um, it should be clear that that's your yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
because you also really enjoy food styling. Like you, we were talking also mm-hmm. before about how you used to not style it. You used to. Just... I used to be adamantly against food styling. I thought it was messy. I thought it was pointless. I thought. Why? Sure. Like, I know that tea towel that's under your pie. I know you didn't use that to pull the pie out of the oven. Right. I know you didn't spill your spices next to your pie. <laughs> so I thought it was really ridiculous. But I have since come around and I realized that it makes something look really appealing. That's the whole like dynamic point of food styling is to make it look like you want to dig in. Totally. And what were there books or in, I know you just took a class a couple weeks back. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. what have been some resources that have been inspirational for you during that learning process i i went on a following spree on Mm -hmm. instagram i followed huge accounts i followed small accounts i started following artists accounts just anything that kind of struck my eye i would try to recreate it and i have settled into my own style from there so even now if i look at somebody someone else's work and try to recreate it, it even if in my mind, I'm doing exactly what they're doing. It will come out in my own style, in which I think way. is great because that that's where inspiration comes from. Totally. And I think that there's also value in, I mean, we also, we all of us scroll through Instagram every day, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, there's some guy that I was listening to that when he wanted to get in shape, he stopped following everybody except for fitness accounts. Yeah. So anytime that he went on Instagram, he was just constantly scrolling through something that people who are exactly. Yeah. And then it's sometimes like as as long as you need the push to get started, mm-hmm. it's often it often doesn't matter where the inspiration comes from, but that it motivated you to take action. I yeah. Think that's like really okay. So, but no other no other books, no blogs. I did I got a book a really basic book on food styling and speaking of is there glue and play-doh and yes. stuff there's a big difference between food photography and food styling where sure. your ice cream is actually made of crisco and mashed potatoes yes or your ice cream is actually ice cream and what did i do to get this shot right made? so that was definitely a a learning curve as well figuring yeah. out what it was that i wanted to do with my sure food. sure Um, But yeah, I bought a really simple book and it turned out that it didn't really help me because I had already kind of taught myself everything from it. Yeah. Each chapter basically said, try out a few different things and feel what is right for you. So you took that liberty. Yeah, it was good to know that I was on the right direction. So I don't think that this book was useless, but Mm. um, it could have been more useful earlier in my learning process. Is it mostly stuff with your phone now or are you using... I am exclusively on my phone. On your yeah, phone. Yeah. Wow. I have a DSLR and yeah. I pull it out once in a while, but I love that I can just quick edit on my phone. Sure. Um, I'm not really trying to monetize my Instagram account. Mm-hmm. I'm not a blogger. I'm not trying to get brands to sponsor me. Um, so for me, I'm just trying to get a good picture of this pie and my phone does great for that. Cool. Love yeah. it. Uh, going back to, you know, kind of what's happening in a larger sense, you're, I mean, people have probably gathered by now that you're creating this very unique niche for yourself, Mm -hmm. but on a broader sense of, you know, kind of where pastries are at right now in the U S just in general, is there anything that sticks out where you're like, Oh, I really like that, what they're doing or, uh, whether it's like a small boutique shop Mm -hmm. or someone who's doing pop-ups that you've seen or cause I mean, there are lots of ways to win now. You don't have to go the traditional go to school in Paris and then come back and open a place downtown kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, What has been been on your radar in that sense? 
I like that maybe this is just the crowd that I run with, but it seems like a lot of bakers now are taking something kind of simple and elevating it. So there are gourmet cookies and gourmet donuts and they're all over Seattle right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really cool that, yeah, like you said, you don't have to go to Paris. You don't have to learn the fancy techniques of all these um, entreme building, like just find a donut recipe that works for you and figure out how to elevate it and get these cool flavors going in there. Um, I think that's really cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, Sebastian, my friend Sebastian, Klaus Sebastian on Instagram was talking with a pastry friend and they had an argument about who is better at sweets, a pastry chef or a baker. Do you have thoughts on that? Um, and the, the, the equivalent I drew was... Um, like Macrina versus Canlis in yeah. in Seattle, or if, if it was San Francisco, B Patisserie versus um, like a Bennu. Um, I, I don't I know. Think I think it's different skills, right? It is definitely different skills. I think the if you're defining what a baker is at its core, that's normally bread and croissants and things of that nature. So sure. just inherently, I would say that a pastry chef is better at sweets Mm -hmm. um but that's not to say that a baker can't do sweets yeah it's they're i feel like it's apples and oranges yeah it's totally apples and oranges it's It's, a tough call yeah what's another like interesting comparison we could draw to that i don't think there would be one um but yeah it's like you're you're technically doing this you're working with the same palette of paints but you're doing totally different yeah, like it's, that's like, like saying like color and or a, a graffiti or artist, yeah, right? Yeah, right. D- yeah, like, that, yeah, that's good. Totally <laughs> different. Um, so you're baking a lot yourself now, but you're also um trying to struggle, like not struggle with, but like build a business side at the same time. Yeah, I would Wh- call it a struggle. Yeah, I totally. Say that it's not. Speaking, yeah, it's, it's not easy. A struggle. It's not easy. Um, I would love to dive into that experience and, and kind of hear your advice on when is a good time to take the leap for people because it wasn't always your, and it wasn't always the case. It wasn't always yeah. being the Baker LLC. No, it, it was wasn't. always. So take us through that journey. Like maybe before, maybe let's start with before you got into baking because you yeah. had a career before There's that. There's definitely a journey here to be discussed. Um, before I started baking, I, before I even got to Seattle, I was going to school for imaging science. Put that on the calendar for us when? um, I graduated college in 2010. Got it. Um, So nine years ago now. I walked out of college with a bachelor's in science degree in imaging science. Um, That's a hugely broad field. It's very technical. Mm -hmm. Um, Any field that requires imaging of any sorts um so mri scans or taking a picture of a black hole for the first time totally or anything that involves image capture there's an imaging scientist behind it so it's really broad i focused on satellite imagery sure combined with census data and field data to do thematic mapping um i had a minor in environmental science so i took that degree to uh build thematic maps on the health of a forest based on what the infrared light looks like and things of that nature. This is a really nerdy, semi-tangent, but did you hear about the mapping that they did 
and you can definitely correct me if I'm wrong on this. <laughs> I mean, I'm but, a little bit removed from this now. But. Well, there's a technology where you fly around in a helicopter and you shoot lasers down into the ground and yeah. you can tell how, uh, like you can map the terrain underneath mm-hmm. where the trees are growing. Yep. And they came to the realization that in the in the Americas where they thought that civilizations only went back 12,400 years, they went back like 100,000 years. That's awesome. And it's wild because it's just like this whole chapter of human civilization is just now being discovered as yeah. it's real. People were here. Yeah. So that's what you can do with imaging science. Interesting. It's really cool. Interesting. Um, so I took this degree moved out to seattle with my husband Mm -hmm. we were dating at the time um and i got a job working in the seattle parks doing native plant restoration and trail mapping so i was using that degree somewhat um i was more hands-on the what i left school for was more on the computer analytics side of things, but when I got to Seattle, I was doing the hands-on field work, yeah, which I field. really enjoyed. Mm. Uh, that was something that I always enjoyed more than the computer side of things, mm-hmm. was doing the work myself, getting my hands dirty, being outside all day long. Sure, uh, It was a lot of fun for me, but at a certain point, I realized that... I'm getting ahead of myself, no. uh, but I'll finish that thought. Yeah. At a certain point, I realized that I loved that field work a lot more than the computer work. Uh, And that's entry-level work. I was never going to make a million dollars working in the parks pulling Himalayan blackberry. Totally. And I didn't really want to transition. I didn't want to elevate my work, so to speak, to doing that more analytic stuff. And so now back to where I was getting ahead of myself while I was still working in that job, a friend of mine sent me a job posting for an internship at a bakery. Hmm. And I was like, you know, I have a job, right? And she was like, yeah, I know you love to bake. Maybe it'll be fun. I was going to ask because that doesn't often come that randomly. It's super random. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So, I mean, because they will ask you, uh, people who are lost in their life, quote unquote, they'll often give the advice of ask your friends what you what they think that you're good at mm-hmm. to try to figure that out. And so I like that. had you had you had that discussion before that you were either unhappy or that it was just no. a random suggestion? Yeah, I was always baking at home, bringing in things to work, giving things to my neighbors, just cupcakes and cookies, sure. really easy stuff. Yeah. Nothing on a level that I'm at doing now. now yeah. Um, so I yeah. This random opportunity fell into my lap. Mm -hmm. So I applied and I wrote a cover letter saying, you'll see on my resume that I have no professional baking experience whatsoever, uh, but I really enjoy it. I can follow a recipe. Um, I don't know what else you want from me, but this is who I am. I'm excited. It'd be great to try it out. Sure. And they called me back. Wow. And they brought me in for an interview. And this whole time I was thinking, like, it's just for fun. There's, I don't know. I'm just seeing what's out there. And I ended up getting offered this part-time position on weekends, uh, just a couple hours a day on weekends. And I started working there just for fun. And I really loved it. And at a certain point, that's when I realized with my job in the parks that it wasn't going anywhere for me. Uh Um, It could have gone somewhere else for someone else yes not for me yes so yeah i was at this crossroads 
where I was enjoying my part-time hobby work much more than I was enjoying my full-time work. So I had a conversation with my husband and I was like, should I work at this bakery full time? Is that something we can do? Is that something we can afford for mm -hmm. me to take a pay cut and yeah. go do this? And he was really supportive. He said, try it out. If you hate it, you hate it, you'll quit and you'll find something else. Like it's no true. biggie, just go for it. Mm -hmm. So I started working there full time. Um, I worked there for about two years. So I was in the parks for two or three years. So this was now 2013 mm -hmm. to give you your timeline of mm -hmm. when I first started working in this bakery. Um, so again, like I was just doing my thing, baking, not really thinking ahead. Just this is what I'm enjoying doing right now. What was that? What did that work look like? Like, was it very large? orders very large scale yeah. yeah it was a um dessert catering company so yeah. no retail at the time mm. they had huge corporate clients so we were doing thousands of uh cookies cake pops cupcakes um per day so wow yeah at the end of the week i had probably made five or six or eight thousand yeah items x yeah yeah um and so the menu was pretty simple, mm -hmm. things that just are really easy to eat, really sure. fun to eat. Mm -hmm. um, so it was mostly production baking. Mm -hmm. I, The recipes were simple to tackle for me, someone having no experience with any totally. fancy recipes. And it was just a matter of this is how you work in a kitchen. This is how you say behind when you're walking behind someone. This mm -hmm. is how you hold a knife. This is, this is just how you live in a kitchen. Totally. Uh, and it was great for me. It was exactly what I needed at that time. Just plugging along, following orders. Did you find that you used any of your science background? Even if it's, I mean, not on the technical side of cooking, but there's definitely probably some. Yeah, I don't think it was a um, exact one-to-one -one translation, sure, but sure. I do have a pretty technical mind, so can just... Something as simple as converting a recipe or scaling it up or down yeah. always came really easy to me. Right. So the, the quick math of quarts to pints to cups yes. was really simple. Yeah. Um, and it's all problem solving, right? Like so much of your that previous job plus yeah. working in that environment is problem solving. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it, it was more creative mm -hmm. than I was used to. Yes. But I would say that I was still using and also just carrying uh 50 pound bags of flour is pretty similar to carrying a 50 pound bucket of rocks so right right that was Same. no different yeah one thing i wanted to touch on that you spoke about with uh with travis was you know you, you of course you have that conversation because you're just a practical human being and you want to make sure that things are going to work out yeah but what I want to acknowledge for maybe someone listening that might be going through something similar that's like, do I take this leap? Do I go in this direction? You can always go back, right? Like that yeah. was kind of like where my head was when I moved to Seattle and I was like, do I take a sous chef job? Because that's kind of like the natural thing to do. That's kind of safe. Or do I try to do this media thing and, you know, just go for it? Mm -hmm. And the thing that kept going through my head was like, you can always get a sous chef job again. Like, you yeah. can always go back. I think um, people have a sense of pride or maybe it's not pride. Maybe it's it's sunk cost. Else that 
that. It's sunk cost. Definitely like, sunk cost, but also just like admitting failure. Like, sure. Okay, this media thing wasn't right for me. Mm. I have to go back. But mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. If that is what works for you, like good for you for trying. Because you want to know what's least. worse than that is is regret when you're 60. Yeah. Like I could. Yeah, there's no, no worse sunk cost than yes. realizing 30 years later that maybe you should have just gone for it. Totally. And so that, I mean, that was really like a really big unlock for me when I don't remember who said it and I heard it somewhere, but they were like, you can always go back. You can always yeah. take something else. And especially if you're comfortable there, like you were probably comfortable where you were in science. Where Definitely. You could, and then there's no stress, but it feels, because like going from total comfort zone to something <laughs> like so completely naked on stage, basically, yeah. it's like a completely different beast. And I think that's what holds a lot of people back. Okay, so heavy production, large scale. Yeah. What happened next? Um, I was doing that for I was happily doing that for about two years Mm -hmm. and it just at a certain point I realized that I had learned everything from them that I would learn so it's either just keep being a drone and pumping out production which is great like some people are really great at that and that's all they need yeah um so I hit another crossroads like is this all that there is for me yep. or is there more for me mm-hmm. and every once in a while we would get orders for um something like cannolis or tartlets something where like pastry cream was involved and i sure. didn't know what that was i didn't know how to make it watching my pastry chef make that was like oh my gosh this is the hardest thing i've ever seen like thank yeah. god i don't have to do that <laughs> um and now looking back on it it's like pastry 101 yes. knowing how to make yes. pastry cream um, yeah, so I realized like maybe maybe this is my new career. I don't want to go back to working in the parks. I am enjoying baking. So what's next for me? Mm. And that's when I realized that pastry school was next for me. Got it. So again, I had this conversation with my husband. <laughs> yeah. Like, is this what I'm doing? Uh-huh. Is this where I'm going? Is uh-huh. this right for us? Is this something we can do? Sure. And I knew if I was going to pastry school, so at this point now, abandoning my four-year degree... <sighs> After barely using it, um, I knew that I wanted to be serious about mm-hmm. going back to school. I'm spending more money, and I knew that I wanted to put myself 100% into school. So I didn't want to work part-time. I just wanted to 100% focus on school. If I'm going to school, I want to get everything out of it. So again, he said, yeah, go for it. What do you have to lose? Mm-hmm. Figure it out. If it doesn't sure. work for you, then yeah, you yeah. can always go back. Yes. Why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went to pastry school. I went to uh, Seattle Culinary Academy here in Capitol Hill, um, and I loved it. I I think that's where my analytical, technical, scientific brain really kicked in. Yeah, because it was these advanced recipes that I'd never seen before, but I could appreciate the chemical reaction that was going on. Totally. So when I learned what an egg's function is in a recipe. It just clicked like, clicked. okay, great. One more egg is going to do this. Yes. One less egg is going to do this. Sure. It was, I loved it. Yeah. It was great. Everything that I wanted. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when I left school, I loved what I had learned and I started working at another cafe after that. And each step of the way in this journey to pastry prowess, yeah. if you will, um, Oops. I 
I never knew what was next. I never really planned what was next. Mm. And I am very much a planner. I don't want to say that I'm just like wandering through life sure. having no idea what I'm Seat doing. See to your pants, yeah. Um, but all of these opportunities, I feel like they came to me when I needed them most mm. and when I had no idea that they were there. Sure. So the same is true with B and the baker. Um, I started that Instagram account when I was at my first bakery job, this internship that I had. Uh, I had just gotten B. She was a puppy and I had just gotten this baking job. And I was like, okay, this Instagram thing is cool. I guess I'll post some pictures of my puppy and I'll post some pictures of these cupcakes that I'm making. And that was that. It was a personal account. It was nothing. Um, so after graduating from pastry school, working at another cafe for a little while, I realized that that cafe wasn't right for me and I didn't know what was next. So I left that job. I'm kind of skipping ahead now. Sure. Um, I left that job intending to just kind of build my portfolio, figure out what's next for me. And I had no idea that starting my own business would be next for me. Yeah. And after about a year of building my portfolio, yeah, yeah, if you yeah. will, I just kind of clicked again that owning my own business was right. So what's the natural step that you're supposed to take after that? After school or after? Well, I mean, I guess after like you go to a, yeah, after school, you're supposed to get an entry level job and work your way up to run the pastry program, right? Yeah. Like that's the natural thing. And then I mean, some people are like that for life, right? They're pastry was, chefs for other people for yeah, life. No, I was definitely open to that. When I left my job after pastry school, I was scouring Craigslist and the job boards at school to see what was out there. And I applied to a few. I just kind of made myself available to whatever was next for me. Mm -hmm. And um, some of these things I applied to and got offers for and just knew they weren't quite right. So yeah, I was just kind of, meandering until something felt right and the business just felt right so where are you at in the evolution of the business now um it's been almost a year to the day that i have actually applied for that business license so i guess technically i've been in business for myself for a year cheers crazy. to that cheers to that <laughs> nice job um that's a that's a crazy marker yeah um, but I mean, applying for the business license is one minute part. Correct. Of this. But a lot of people never do it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people yeah. still have that tab open on their laptop and it's there, still yeah, not. Yeah, there were tabs open on my laptop for quite a while before <laughs> finally taking the leap. Yeah. Um, so I announced that I was open for business and ready to take orders four months ago. Cool. So that's where I'm at in the business right now. Yep. And so still just you doing wearing all the hats. Wearing no. many hats. Yes, yeah. just me. B tries to wear some hats. <laughs> they don't fit on her head as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's mostly me wearing the hats. Marketing department B yeah. B. Um so what take me through I guess where you're thinking about strategy wise, and this is coming from, you know, business owner to business owner. Yeah. Where First, are you thinking about a first hire yet? Are you thinking about, you know, um, specific ways that your time is best spent? Well, let's start with that. Are you thinking about a first hire? Um, 
I would love if one of my near and dear friends would offer to help out with things here and there, but sure. I know that's not realistic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I do have a lot of friends who are supporting me. So yes. that's um, very nice of all of them. But I, yeah, no hires right now. It is just me. I'm doing all of the admin work, all of the marketing, all of the baking, all of the dog walks. Yeah. Um, so it is a lot, but I am enjoying it, sure. and I would like to have a handle on everything before hiring someone. Outsourcing, yeah. Um, I would say that I need most help in the admin department, but realistically, if I were to hire someone, it would be a baker. So I see. Yeah, I'm just I not see. at the point to hire anyone. That's right interesting. Now. Um, because so then my next that that's a great answer because that leads into my next question, which is. When you're thinking about this, you know, massive to-do list that you'll sometimes get, mm -hmm. how do you logistically tackle it? Do you batch it where you say Tuesdays admin? Do you say mornings are for admin and afternoons are for mm -hmm. baking? Do you say that I batch shoot and post all my Instagrams on one day and then I just hit publish every morning at 8 a.m.? What is What are some like it's strategies, things that you've kind of a little bit of all of that and i am still kind of figuring it yes, all out it takes a minute um going into this i thought that i would be able to do admin work on mondays yes i am on my computer all day long on monday mm -hmm. and the rest of the week i don't touch it mm -hmm. and that's not realistic because emails come in on tuesday evening and wednesday morning yes. and again on thursday totally. so i can't just ignore emails mm -hmm. for a week and i don't think that's fair to my clients i don't think it's fair sure. to anyone to mm -hmm. be ignored for a week so it has kind of turned into mornings. Mm -hmm. I'm on my computer until 11 or noon, depending on what I've done that morning. And I'll start baking in the afternoon and go into the evening. So yeah, that's kind of how I've figured that out. Sure. And did you figure that out based on, I like to get back to clients early in the morning? Or did you do kind of like analysis on, I am most productive in the kitchen in the afternoon, so it's better if I do that? It's more that, yeah, I'm most productive in the kitchen, I guess, during like day hours. I see, I see. Um, and pulling back the curtain a little bit, here's a little secret about yeah. how I run things. Yeah. I actually do a lot of my emailing at night and then I wait until the morning to send them out. Smart. Um, because I bake until 9 or 10 p.m. and it's kind of a way for me to decompress from baking to shift gears and get onto my computer. Sure. So I'll draft out emails and do some of my um, quotes and custom designs at night and um, send it out in the morning. Are you on a G Suite account like I am, through your yeah. website? Mm -hmm. I think there's a setting where you can actually have it auto send See, for you. I asked if that was a thing, and Travis said no, that that only happens in the movies. <laughs> it's a, I want to say it's a thing. We'll have to creep on it after yeah. this interview because I'm almost positive you can set it so <laughs> that, that would it makes it so much easier. Yeah, that sounds like a nightmare. Um, like, but I'm these... a night owl, so sure. for me, being up until midnight or one is like these are my prime thinking hours. Totally, so, totally. Yeah. So maybe we should talk about as we're talking about time management and stuff, I wanted to chat about balance with you and your relationship. Yeah. Because Anna and I had to go through it where 
yes, babe, I'm home all day, but I'm working all day. You know what I mean? Like, like, no, your errand just down the street didn't get run because I was working all day, even though, yes, I was two blocks away from where this errand needed to get run. Yeah. So how are you making time for you two and just overall balance? Are you concerned about it? Do you know that it's an all out sprint right now? Travis and I have been together for 11 years, so we really get each other, and we can go a couple weeks at a time, like, not getting that quality time. Like, it sucks, and it's not easy, but we know that we can manage it, Mm -hmm. and yeah, it's definitely the what you were saying, like, I'm home all day, but I'm not home. The kitchen is my office, so yeah, I'm not napping. I'm not snuggling bee, although sometimes I might be. Small breaks. Um. Yeah, I would say that balance is difficult. Um, Travis works late mm-hmm. often, which kind of works for me that I can work, I can keep baking later into the day. Mm-hmm. And when he works in tech and he loves his computer yep. and he's always reading and researching and always trying to advance his own mind and advance his own work. Mm-hmm. So when he gets home, he sometimes just pulls out his computer right away and he'll sit at our tabletop on his computer and I'll be baking on the tabletop for work. So it's like kind of like we're together. Quality time. And kind of like we're not. So um, it sounds distant, but it works for us. Just kind of being next to each other Mm -hmm. is what works for us. Um, But obviously from time to time, I'll have to cut things short or he'll come home early and we we figure out how to make time for each other sure it's not easy but we make it work totally and sundays are normally dog park days for us so that's love it a good time for us to unplug and take off my apron and that helps spend some time together a lot to have that marker because then it's like yes i know we don't have time together right now but we have this thing mm-hmm. you know what i mean as opposed to like just putting it off i mean Joe and I were actually talking earlier today about like scheduling time for ourselves just to not work mm-hmm. because that's if part you, of it too is if you don't schedule it, it's not going to happen. Yeah, because it's so easy to just flip your laptop open and I just got to answer a couple emails or yeah. like I just got to check my analytics on this. Yeah, or I and just for gotta... me, baking is my hobby. I like to bake and it is a stress reliever for me. So if I find myself without an order to fulfill, I'm still in the kitchen baking anyway. Sure. So I definitely need to schedule time that's either just me time yes. or just fun baking or uh, marketing baking or order baking or yeah. So totally, it's tough. It is tough. It's but it's it's one of the reasons that I wanted to chat with you because you're at such this you're at such an interesting point. That doesn't often get talked about, right? Like Mm -hmm. where you're, like you said, four months into taking orders, you're a year into having the business sorted, you have, you know, built a following for yourself and it doesn't often get talked about like this stage of it where you're like, you're just in the dirt and like, you know what I mean? Like there's no, you're not, you're not Christina Tosi on Netflix, right? But at the same time, you're not. A person with 18 business tabs on their you know what I mean yeah like you, you you've started but you haven't hit that inflection point where you're really like I have spot. a full team of yeah. working for me yet yeah. you know what I mean do you have ambitions for that to have a full I don't know I go back and forth on that yeah. I have a few friends in the industry who uh 
own businesses and it's just them yes. and they just they take on what they can and they don't take on what they can't or mm. they figure out how to squeeze more hours out of the day somehow. Sure. And that's really admirable. Um, I have other friends who own bakeries and have a huge team and it that's working for them. So I think true to form with how I got to this point, um, not to say that I don't have ambitions, but I am really curious to see what will come to me. So I am looking for... Um, a more proper commercial kitchen to work out of. Yep. So if it happens to be a retail space that I find, like maybe mm-hmm. I'll go in that direction. If it's a huge kitchen that I can split with friends, maybe I'll go in that direction. Totally. Um, so not to say that I'm not looking out for where I'm headed, but I you haven't I hit think the crossroads I do best yet. with what is open to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're like, you're following, and this is like the video game nerd in me. You're like walking along the path until you hit the crossroad and then it's A or B. I guess. As yeah. opposed to like, how do I, how do I get to this random end point? It's like, I'm just going to stay where I'm at until I hit a crossroad and yeah. then you're going to decide yeah. which way or the other. Yeah. I mean, it, it that makes it sound like I don't care where I go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Sure. No, but I understand. I understand that, that. I think it's more so that I have my head so focused on where I'm at right now uh-huh. that I can't see where I'm going. Totally. So if that crossroad crossroad comes to me before I figure it out, <laughs> it's it just, like, okay, <laughs> like, here's the time to yeah see where I'm at. Sure, but that might be the value in in making that first hire because that's yeah the where the where your head needs to be at as as an owner. Definitely. Yeah. I don't know. It's so hard, dude, because it's like. That's why I didn't open a restaurant is because I saw that once you own a restaurant, you'd stop cooking for the most part. Yeah, I And I don't want to stop cooking. Yeah, I don't want to stop baking. Baking. I thought that doing this thing for myself on my own, I would just be doing whatever I want to be doing. Like it's my own business. I can set my own schedule. Mm -hmm. I make whatever I want to make. But Mm -hmm. that's not true you truly are a manager for yourself i'm wearing many hats yeah Mm -hmm. i i'm doing my scheduling i'm doing invoices invoices. (laughs) i'm figuring out all these laws and i was researching refrigerators for the last two weeks and that's not something that i expected to be doing like that's not what i want to be doing i want Mm -hmm. to be baking so yeah for sure it's um it's tough totally uh i want to chat a little bit about media opportunities because you've been really good at riding the wave when they come when they come along Mm -hmm. and you have amassed a following on instagram that's very excited every single time you post something new so what have you learned during this entire process as far as media goes because people can't i mean you haven't integrated uh here's a photo of a pie tap on it here's the price you can Mm -hmm. buy it through my website you know what i mean yeah so like there's clearly some sort of strategy behind it but at the same time i'm just curious where your head's at with you know was it a little unexpected was it yeah part of the plan um a little bit of both yeah i my only platform right now is instagram and that is the only way that i'm marketing myself so um, I have considered doing the click on it and here's the price and here's yeah. how you order it. Yeah. Um, but I think maybe what my followers don't know is that it's me. Mm-hmm. I'm a person. Yes. I'm like we've talked about. I'm wearing many hats and um, 
that's where that's at. I do put focus into what I post on Instagram, but a lot of the time it's just what I want to post. Um, it's not everything that I bake. There are some things that I'm making for clients that never make it to Instagram. Sure. A lot of what's on Instagram is what I'm just hobby baking for fun. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that it's a direct reflection with the business, which might be a good thing and might not be a good thing. Um, and yeah, just going with the flow. I didn't really expect for things to strike it big on Instagram. Um and the opportunities that have come out of it, I'm just so thankful for. Totally. I'm amazed that people are interested in me and what I'm doing. Absolutely. But you're also very good at seeing, you know, aesthetic, like this aesthetic does well. I mean, even just scrolling through it together before we started, you were like, this this did really well. Yeah. Beca- and you know why, mm-hmm. right? Like you're like, I can see why this did well. And then At the same time, though, I feel like sometimes I post something that I think will do well sure. or something that means a lot to me or I really put a lot of heart into or it just looks great uh-huh. and it flops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and that's just being at the mercy of a platform that I have no control yep. over. Yep. Does that scare you in any capacity? It does and it's also a little bit freeing um yeah i mean instagram can sell to somebody else or just discontinue or break or anything any day now and i'll lose all All of of this yeah and yeah this is all that i'm marketing myself on right now so that would be a huge issue for me to start from the ground up but i think i do have a name out there and i think people in seattle recognize either my work or my name so totally it wouldn't be completely devastating yeah um but i while i was rising on instagram um i was really into it and i was on it all day long Mm -hmm. i was scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling i was following people i was engaging and um i think everyone who is in this position knows that it can really mess with your mental health to be immersed in social media and in other people's lives and it's not real life and even with mine i i don't post my flops so if somebody's scrolling through my feed thinking like oh being the baker she's perfect she everything she does is great like no that's not true i'm posting what i want to share and what i want you to see Mm. um so i've kind of come around to just accepting that i'm at the mercy of somebody else and the other day I posted something that only reached a quarter of my followers. Wow. And maybe a year ago I would have been really upset about it. I would have sure. either deleted it or maybe post a story about how I'm upset that it didn't do well. But I liked it. I was happy with how it came out. If nobody else did, that's fine. If sure. Instagram didn't think it was worthy of sharing, like, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you noticed any or did you go through any or get any advice after you know like a food 52 or a bon appetit regrams your stuff and mm-hmm. links back to you and you have this huge influx of people yeah who i mean it's effectively people coming into your your house with their dirty shoes on right yeah. like they could they could love your stuff they could you know trample all over your new rug that is your instagram mm-hmm. feed because they're basically being introduced into this like little community that you've built on the internet do you have any advice for anybody that might get something like that happen to them, whether it's they post a dish and, I don't know, Michelin I, Guide yeah, reposts? Just, this sounds really aloof, but just try not to care. 
Interesting. Um, I get people po- commenting things like, I bet that doesn't taste good. It's like, oh, well, it man. does. And that's a weird thing to say. <laughs> yeah. But like, if you don't think it tastes good, that's great. Like, maybe you don't like these flavor combos and yeah. that has nothing to do with me. Sure. I sure. liked it. My client liked it. My friends liked it. Yeah. I don't know what else to tell you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I feel like like I could go through and delete all those comments, but I don't. I don't really, I don't curate my feed in that way. I don't sure. try to censor what people are saying about my things. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think the best way to go about that is to just do what makes you feel good and yeah. post what brings you joy. It's the Marie Kondo yes. thing. Does this picture bring me joy? It yeah. does, so I'm going to post it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just try to move past the anonymous internet folk but also maybe be cognizant of what is working like when you see something that does work yeah don't completely don't don't do don't have that same practice of because ultimately you want to see it succeed you want to see i do want to succeed yeah i don't want it to sound like i don't care about any of my followers because i do i value of course every one of them yeah um but yeah i just at a certain point i have to do what is best for me and what's best for the business and what's best for my family and my home life and my professional life. And this is what is best for me. So when you get another media opportunity that comes to you, whether it's a King five or a Justin Kana that wants you to be on his podcast, yeah. what, what are you thinking about as far as um, what you say yes to what you say no to what um, potential things to send people to if they want to you know like at the end i'm probably going to ask you where i want you to send people and are you thinking about well it might be smarter for people to get on my email list Mm -hmm. so i can grow that instead of my instagram yeah or like you know when people do the cliche oh we want to cover you on our show because it's going to be great exposure yeah like you have enough exposure right like you have this massive group of people that if you want to get a message out there you can let them know exactly what's up mm-hmm. um so you don't need their help in that in that regard so what do you what what how do you value different media opportunities for me up until this point it has been more so putting myself out there and trying something new. Sure. I am incredibly uncomfortable in front of cameras. <laughs> I I don't post stories really. I know sure. other accounts are on there every day just saying, "Hey, good morning. How are you doing?" Yeah, and every that's once not in a you. while I try to do that and it comes off <laughs> not not good at all. There's two pointed at you right now. Yes, You're doing I'm great. Very well aware of <laughs> You're that. You're doing fact. great. <laughs> You're doing fantastic. Um, so a lot of it was like I need to get over this fear. I need to um I don't want to just put myself out there and try something new and not be in this bubble that I'm in. Um, so just, yeah. Anything trying that, to yeah. trying to loosen up a little bit, I guess, sure. is why I have accepted some of these media opportunities. So what goes through in your head before, like, the fear, the fear is, of course, looking like an idiot, I guess, looking right? Looking like, like an idiot, yeah. I... It's interesting to say that in my career path, I've kind of gone with what has come to me mm-hmm. because I am very much a planner. In fourth grade, I would look up where math class was and where science class was <laughs> and like what hallway was fastest to get there. Yeah. Um, I'm very much a planner. I had my directions on my phone leading me to your house, even though I know exactly where you totally, live. Totally, totally. So 
I yeah, being in the media exposure is more like I have less control over what's happening. Sure. I it's something that I don't know how to plan for. I can't just pull up Siri and say, yeah. walk me through this yeah, yeah, yeah. King Five video. Right. So um it has been a lot of just letting go of the reins a little bit and being more comfortable with something that I'm not comfortable with and yeah. letting other folks have control. Why do you think not enough people like because that's the strategy that everybody should theoretically do, right? Like if you're scared of public speaking, but you would get immense value from doing more public speaking, you should find a way to get more comfortable on stage. Yeah. Or if you're really passionate about mapping the forests from a helicopter, but you're scared of heights, mm -hmm. find a way to get over that fear of heights. Yeah. And the natural best practice to get rid of a fear is to face it head on mm -hmm. right so to hear that you're not comfortable in front of a camera but you're pursuing these things where you're in front of multiple cameras yeah. <laughs> not a lot of people would choose that yeah where does where does that come from or why i think uh because my following has grown so rapidly that i in a way i am exposed to I see. everyone like i maybe i'm not putting my face out there but my work is exposed and my story is exposed and uh i think just having a camera in my face is a just a little bit different than having sixteen thousand people looking at a pie that i post yeah yeah so i don't know it's kind of been happening without me sure realizing yeah regardless of, of your choice yeah um, I wanted to chat through a couple things on, you know, there's the Pierre Hermes that have the multiple pastry shops all around the world. Mm -hmm. And there's the Christina Tosi's that have the shows and the large empires and the cake box, the cake mix in William Sonoma kind of thing. Yeah. Has there been anything that you've seen from a higher profile and when I say higher profile, I mean a pastry chef with a brand that you've seen where you're like, I don't want to do that. I don't see myself ever showing up on a grocery store shelf. I don't see myself ever having a cookbook. Yeah, I don't see myself ever showing up on a grocery store shelf. Why? I think there's a certain fame involved with mm. that and going along with these i don't want cameras in my face yeah yeah, um, yeah yeah if you want to be famous then you have to have cameras in your face yeah yep. um i i don't want to be a famous tv chef i don't mm -hmm. need someone in lithuania to know who i am um i just want to be successful in Seattle or wherever I may end up. It's most likely just going to be Seattle. But um, I just want to have a business that I can sustain and fulfills me and um, I'm having fun baking. So like you said, you didn't want to open up a restaurant because you like to cook. I like to bake. So I think at a certain point when you are a super international TV star, you're not really baking or cooking anymore. Like maybe you're recipe testing every once in a while or giving ideas to your team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I like baking. I like having my hands in flour and butter all day long. And that's, sure. yeah. That's and I think that's keeping me happy right now. Yeah. And I think that, that it's important to acknowledge that you're building a life around that as the core. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, where you're not, um, 
Because that was my biggest thing is I was like, why can't I make why can't I make six figures as a line cook? Yeah. Because I'm a really fucking good line cook, <laughs> right? But no one's going to pay me what I want to earn in 10 years, five, 10 years as a line cook. Yeah. Right? And that goes back to what I was saying about working in the parks. No one's going to pay me six sure. figures to pull weeds. Mm -hmm. Even though I love it. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> uh, I want to continue on that, but we have some beverages in front of us. Yeah. Um, and I think you should try are you not? Are you not a spicy person? No, I. You like spicy. Yeah, That's what I thought. I was eyeing that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I went to this place in Seattle called Press Juicery. This is not a sponsored video. <laughs> um, <laughs> today's beverage is three separate beverages from Press Juicery. One is dragon fruit punch that you just tried. I thought that was kind of sweet, huh? It was sweet. It has this is really good. Front. I feel like it goes perfectly with Minnie Mouse. That's true. Uh, this is a yuzu jalapeno green juice. It's really good. Yeah, <laughs> and then th good. the third one that I picked was a orange apple aloe vera turmeric lemon black pepper juice. Wow. So we'll have to try that one next. Um, you specifically said you didn't want coffee today. Why? You don't drink coffee. I don't drink coffee. Period. Period. Because you have enough energy or it gives you the shakes or... Um, I'd love to say that I have enough <laughs> energy without yeah. it. Yeah. I... I was never caffeine driven in college. I pulled all-nighters writing essays and whatnot, but for some reason, caffeine never affected me mm -hmm. really. So I didn't need it, and I so I never developed a taste for it, and I don't care for the taste for it. So mm -hmm. I just never got into it. But yeah, sure. living in Seattle, everyone is shocked that I don't drink yeah. coffee. It's not that weird though. We have to go. You know where we have to go is this place up in Ballard. Uh, Zendog is his name. He will. He has a house, and you can go in his house, and he'll do a tea service for you. I would love that. It's that awesome. awesome. It's super fun. Yeah, I'm super into tea. Yeah. I drink all sorts of teas, but we definitely not need for me. to to do that. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about your struggle with SEO and the name of being the baker, just yeah. in case someone else has you know an issue and you know any practices that you've gone through that might provide some value to someone who also wants. Their bakery to be called the Flower Box, and yeah. there's 18 other people who yeah. have already chosen that. Um, would you change your name? Would you never? Okay, never. Um, B and the Baker is a very special name to me. It B is my dog. Mm -hmm. She means the world to me, and everyone always makes fun of me for saying that she means the world to me because they're like, uh, "Don't you have a husband in your life?" <laughs> um, to which I respond, "It's not called Travis and the Baker. It's called B and the Baker." Um, but as I mentioned before, this account on Instagram just started as something personal and dumb and no stakes whatsoever, just posting some pictures of my dog and my cupcakes. Mm. And it has grown with me. And when I was trying to, when I finally realized that I did want to own my own business and I want to do this, I was coming up with names for the business and everyone was confused as to why I was coming up with names. I was like, well, it can't be being the baker. That's just my Instagram account. That's not the name of a bakery. So I was like, is it B and the bakery? And everyone's like, no, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, so I just ended up sticking with B and the baker. And I it just means so much to me because I can track exactly where I came from. And B is always by my side. And... She's my baby girl, and yeah, I would never change the name, but there are a lot of baker bees, and the 
B. Baker. It's not sure. an original name. Yeah, yeah. Which I think if I was coming up with a name for the business, I would have come up with something different. But being the Baker is just so special to me on a personal level that sure. I'm willing to struggle through that. But you do have B. In the Baker LLC. Yes. You have B. In the Baker.com. That was not easy to get. <laughs> um, someone owned beinthebaker.com. Someone in Connecticut who has a bakery called The Bee and The Baker. Uh, and I, they were just sitting on Bee and The Baker. They weren't even redirecting to their page. Interesting. Which was the most frustrating part to me. Like if you're redirecting to your page to get more people to come to you, I understand that. Google owns Google with three O's and four O's and five O's to yeah. get people to go to Correct. Google. Yeah. Um, so it frustrated me that they were just sitting on this website, not doing anything with it. I enlisted the help of Travis and his dad to help me negotiate with getting Be in the Baker from this woman. Um, and I even just wrote a letter saying, I'm just a girl with her dog trying to bake in Seattle. Like, I'm not a competition for you. Yeah. Um, we're on opposite coasts. So I finally acquired beingthebaker.com. Hell yeah. Um, it just directs my Instagram right now. I haven't gotten any content up on it yet. But yep. again, that's another hat that I totally intend to wear at some point, getting my website up and running. But um, yeah, getting the getting beingthebaker.com was not an easy task. And that... That was just one very large hurdle that I had to face as soon as I opened the business. So sure. it was kind of, I just, I jumped into business ownership and my first hurdle was getting my own website and mm. it was um, very telling of the hurdles that I will face in this business ownership. Totally. But that's like, that's a great test because it's just you, right? So mm -hmm. I think that if people run into these struggles when they have other people that they can either like it's a it's a good it's a good test of humility right because it's like a lot of people see entrepreneurship and having a business as like you're the boss you tell other people to do things but then like when you're sitting by yourself and there's nothing you can do mm -hmm. but there's this issue in front of you it's very telling like it teaches you a lot about yourself and how I you overcome learned so much <laughs> that i did not know that i was gonna i know different laws in seattle and permit numbers and totally accounting things that i never thought i would know so yeah definitely still and always learning totally i'm gonna ask you a question that i normally ask people but it's also kind of a collaboration with at blooming jenny on instagram because i normally like to ask what can chefs be doing better to help the next generation mm -hmm. but she wants to know tips for aspiring pastry chef just getting started in the industry so you can do a riff on either of those questions how can current people who have a lot of experience be be helping more with the next generation coming up but then maybe that's coming from you to blooming jenny Tips for aspiring pastry chef just getting started. Um, yeah, well, it depends on how uh, pointed this answer can be, depending on yeah. how far into the industry mm -hmm. you are. Mm -hmm. um, but as you heard, I started from nowhere. Mm -hmm. I started with my personality and my drive and my passion, and that is something that you can't teach someone. So if if you're if it's just a passion project for you right now and you have nowhere to go, um, 
apply somewhere and do what I did and say like, I don't have experience, but I want this job and I can follow a recipe. I know how to read. I can sweep floors. It's kind of like mm-hmm. staging in a sure. kitchen. Um, I think it's important to put yourself out there and you can always teach someone how to make pastry cream. I learned how to make pastry cream at some point. I totally. didn't know how to do that mm. coming into this first job that I had. But I knew how to be a good teammate and I knew how to be a good listener and follow instructions and directions. And I think that's more important than anything I, with any job, not even just pastry, is just having a good work ethic is not something that you can teach. Um, but growing your skill set and whatnot, if you are having trouble getting into a place that you want to work in, I have cookbooks on my shelf too i'm not uh immune to learning so i pick up books from bookstores and i work through recipes and i am constantly trying out new recipes and learning and growing so try try a recipe that intrigues you or if you see i mean i don't share my recipes because they are uh, part of the business but if you see something on my instagram like a frangipan google frangipan there mm-hmm. are a hundred recipes out there work through five of them and see which one works best for you and your style and your kitchen and your palate um i would yeah just just go for it just keep doing what you're doing totally and i think that's important to acknowledge when you don't have skills to bring to the table and you don't have like a brand to bring to the table with a business. I think what you can contribute is your time and your, your, your go-getter attitude. Yeah. And I think that's, I would say that that's more important than anything. Totally. And I think, um, you know, yes, you're going to spend time in the kitchen with them if you get this position, but then it's also going to be if you go home and, you know, on your on your day off, spend two hours making French pen. Yeah. Or, yeah, if there's a recipe that you have at work that you just can't quite figure out, yeah. or if there's something that your pastry chef was making that you're curious about, yeah, try it in your own time and come back the next day with your findings and say, like, this really worked for me. Totally. Or, like, it didn't work for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also think to add on to that, when you are going to these places and requesting a position – Part of that having humility is accept, ex- expecting to get a no from yeah, 9 out of 10 of them. Definitely. Um, and then if you go into it with that mentality, then it's not so bad when you get told no. Because it's like, I was expecting to get 9 mm-hmm. no's. Out of, uh, I have 10 people on my list. 9 of them are going to say no. And if you go in with that expectation, then it's just a bonus if 3 of them say yes. Yeah. Um, and there are waves of hiring in sure. history. Uh, Christmas is always Mm. super busy, so bakeries are always looking. That's especially when they're looking for part-time help. So they, it might be better to try for one of those busy times when they just need hands to roll out cake pops or what have you. Um, And the wedding season is always pretty busy too, so keep an eye out for these uh, kind of waves of needing people in the industry. Capacity. Yeah. I'm going to double, I'm going to collaborate on this question with our friend Obelicious. His question was, if you could only bake one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? But I'm going to twist that with your experience that you talked about with this large volume catering business. Mm -hmm. 
is that in this old in this one weird hell that exists you get back at that job and you're on one station for the rest of your life oh gosh what station is it where you would actually maybe enjoy it okay making the same thing every single day thousands a week oh that's tough <laughs> um maybe doing like cookies scooping out cookies or something um at least you get some good like forearm yeah, strength yeah, yeah. out of that and yeah. digging into the hobart mm -hmm. will work out your muscles a little bit sure uh and there are different kinds of cookies that i could still be doing yeah. something slightly different mm -hmm. that's a really tough tough question yeah variety is the spice of life man. yeah um yeah do you think uh yeah i don't i don't think i don't think that's a great question <laughs> that's that's true that's true yeah it's tricky to say he had another one though if you were stuck on a desert island spelling and puns intended dessert island dessert island uh what baked good would you have maybe this is eating i am a sucker for chocolate got it anything chocolate um i've always been this way when i went to pastry school i uh briefly had some uh what am i trying to say a realization that there is something else in the world other than chocolate. Mm. So I got familiar with doing some really fancy like raspberry cakes and whatnot. Um, but I have regressed to chocolate. I just love chocolate. Sure. Why does that not show up on your Instagram more? I mean, you're very fruit forward. I am very fruit forward. Um, I don't know. Interesting. I guess I could say that it doesn't do as well. Yep. It's harder to style and photograph Agreed. a chocolate cookie. I mean, I just posted a Mexican chocolate tart the other mm -hmm, day, so mm -hmm. that counts for something. But I mean, I guess this is also like your, what you would eat on a des dessert island, yeah. not necessarily what your clients I mean, necessarily want. I am want. behind the scenes. I'm making myself cookies and yeah. whatever, so I am eating chocolate. Sure. Um, it's it's fun to play play with other flavor profiles though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess that's what is more so showing up on Instagram. When you travel, what do you seek out pastry shops to go to? Do you I get do. more inspired by savory food or aesthetics or Um, not so much savory. I would eat desserts for the rest of my life whether I was on a desert island or not. Yeah. Um if I would keep all the teeth in my mouth and yeah, yeah, keep yeah. a reasonable weight. I mm -hmm. would definitely only eat sweets forever. Sure. So savory does not inspire me. Interesting. Um, which is interesting because Travis is not a sweets person. He's yeah, yeah, super yeah. savory and he likes the more uh, stinky things, mustard mm -hmm. and sauerkraut and barbecue. Yeah. And, so mm -hmm. he would love it if I did more savory, but no, it's not for me. Hmm. Um, but traveling, yeah, I almost always map out some sort of little pastry shop tour mm -hmm. of where I'll be and try to draw inspiration from their techniques or their flavors or um, just going with the shapes that they have in the shop, going off of that tumbling blocks pattern again. If there's a cool tile on the floor, sure, I draw inspiration from that. And I almost always try to bring back some sort of ingredient from my travels to try to bake with when I get home um when you will go to a pastry shop is there so my I have a friend who would go to a bar mm -hmm. and he would always order a daiquiri at the bar to test the skill of the bartender yeah 
because it's such a simple drink. It's lime, sugar, and rum. And to do it well is not easy. Mm-hmm. Is there something that you'll do at a pastry shop to... I wonder how their blank is. Um, It's usually a croissant or a Queen Amon. Got it. I love Queen Amon. So good. Yeah, <laughs> so that's normally a good test for me. Yeah. When I go somewhere that I am new to... I'll normally look up what um, what the shop recommends as yep. their signature, what either the Yelp reviews or Instagram comments are saying is the best thing on there, and then something that uh, strikes me. Sure. And um, don't judge me if I say that I eat all three of those, yeah. because it normally is. Yeah. Travis will take a bite and be like, yeah, it's good. But mm-hmm. for me, it's the first few bites are like, wow, this is good. Totally. The next few are trying to break down flavors and textures. And then I just enjoy eating the rest of them. I think you, me, Anna, and Travis need to go on a trip together because then you and I can yes, do pastry shop things and they that. cannot. Yeah. Fun fact, Anna does not like sweets either. Wow. So that is a surprise to me. It's very hard because I'm a sweets guy mm-hmm. and it's really hard when everyone she takes one bite and here's the rest. Yeah. All of our friends say that my talents are wasted on Travis because he's not... <laughs> reaping the benefits Sad. but his co-workers when i'm just baking for fun i send things into work with him and his co-workers love me they so. disappear yeah um there are a couple of rapid fire questions i want to do with you but do you want to chat on these because as your friends and as anna loving your stuff mm-hmm. where you just dropped off how many did you drop off uh 48 four- Dozen? Yeah, yeah. Forty eight. That sounds about 48 right. Macaroons. But you brought extras. Brought some extras. Um I don't know, Joe, is that showing up on the screen here? Can you want to chat us through some of these? Anna requested champagne, strawberry, and pistachio. Um her parents follow me on Instagram, which yeah. I think is great. So That's great. Um I think they requested the macaroons because yep. they knew that i enjoyed making those what i really thought was interesting with your pistachio ones is that it's a hundred percent pistachio flour interesting yeah um why not do half and half why not do i i think i first made pistachio macaroons for a friend who is allergic to almonds Mm -hmm. so i just couldn't do half and half Mm mm-hmm I just did a one-to-one swap just to see if it would work, and it and did. It did. So yeah, these there's look, no sense in these fit right that. in. There's no. So when you, um, I mean, these are immensely popular for you, right? Like you do mm-hmm. quite a bit of these. Yeah. This is the small size, or this is the That's normal size. Normal size. Normal I don't really size. do different sizes. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, I consider them a two-bite macaroon. Uh-huh, there are some pastry uh-huh. shops in the area that have three-bite three macaroons bite. Mm-hmm, and. Mm-hmm. I like this two bite size. Uh, I don't want to give too much ASMR, but I do want to eat these. <laughs> um, I am. Um, somebody keeps calling me. Um, so I have a question that I try to ask everyone, and I'm especially with all of your traveling. I'm interested to see what you have to say. You somehow get a call after this interview that you've just won an all expenses paid trip to eat at your dream restaurant. And when you get there, there's someone you always wanted to talk to waiting to have dinner with you. I should have been prepared with this. I know that you asked this question. What is that restaurant and who is that person? Okay. Um, it would be with Cedric Grolet, French pastry chef. 
at his place. Whoa. Yeah. That would be crazy. Um, we Travis and I were in France last year, and somehow I did not even consider to look into his yeah. shop. Sure. I made my pastry tour like I always do, and it just never occurred Miss, to me that he's yeah. there. Um, yeah. So we last minute tried to get reservations for his tea service, mm-hmm. and we weren't able to, of course. Who's going to be able to get in a week totally. beforehand? Um, but we were able to go to the bar in the hotel that he works in, and we got some of his desserts there. So I was able to fulfill some of that dream by eating his desserts, and I had my eye on the pass through the kitchen yeah, yeah, yeah. the whole time. I was not paying attention to my conversation. I'm sorry, sure. Travis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did not get a sneak peek of Cedric, but yeah, it would absolutely be with him eating his desserts. What would you ask him? I mean nerding just nerding out with him would probably be great but like is there anything where you're like i don't know advice for would you say advice for me or like what would you do if blank i don't know i I honestly don't know ask him i yeah would just Just want to hang out yeah let him talk through his uh Mm -hmm. inspiration for all of these fruits and things Mm -hmm. and you just sit there and bat your eyes Mm -hmm. (laughs) over and over and over again (laughs) um Actually, I, sh- I should ask this one. Is there a book that's been particularly impactful? It doesn't even have to be baking related. Maybe it's an entrepreneurship book or... I... Yeah, there are two books. Yeah. They are baking related. Mm-hmm. Um, I love all of the books on my shelf, but there are two that I gravitate towards. Uh, one is the Flavor Bible. Mm-hmm. I think if anyone wants to get into baking or cooking, not even professionally, just if you want to hone your home skills... The Flavor Bible is my Bible. Immensely helpful. Yeah. It goes through all of these flavor components and ingredients and breaks down what season they are and where it kind of hits on your tongue, whether it's warm or spicy or sour. And it breaks down every common ingredient that pairs with it, Mm -hmm. which is great for inspiration too. Sometimes I'll see that I have pairs in my fridge just pulled pears out of my head yeah realized that yeah, i was yeah. saying that a lot <laughs> um and of course you can do caramel pear or something like that but trying to find something different i will cross-reference totally pears in the flavor bible or even i'll go deeper than that and see something that pairs with pears mm-hmm. and then see what pairs with that and maybe right. that doesn't specifically goes with pears but it's interesting enough that maybe it'll work and i think that's how my menu development kind of comes out is by pushing those flavor combinations a little bit outside of what is expected totally so that one i would say should definitely be on everyone's bookshelf and the other is brave tart got it i love stella parks she is a scientist maybe that's why i love her so much um same level she is always posting in her stories and always has um these little prefaces before each of her recipes saying how these recipes came about Mm -hmm. and where her inspiration came from and where where she tested um, ingredients and how maybe too much baking soda did this or things of that nature. So I love that she is really scientifically minded and is really nailing these recipes. And she does kind of classic American desserts that are elevated. So her book is full of 
homemade Oreos and Twinkies and interesting. Um, I haven't tried those recipes, but she just has really good base recipes. So if I want to make chocolate chip cookies for a friend, I'm gonna go to her book. Or mm-hmm. if I want to just do a really simple yellow cake, I head to her to her book. Sure. Yeah, that's a good one. I should get that one. Yeah, mine that I use for baking is is up on that shelf. It's the Bouchon Bakery oh, cookbook. Yeah. That's a good one. Too. Also really good for mm-hmm. like. I just want to make a basic sublé. I just want to make a basic basic pastry cream. Yeah. Um, most of them are in there and they're very like you should temper the eggs to this like you mm-hmm. should you should take your eggs out of the fridge and make sure that they're not cold because XYZ and for someone like me who doesn't play around with that much eggs and sugar and flour all the time it's very very helpful to have those like little Yeah, Braveheart is really good about giving you the process but then also giving you visual cues. Mm. So sure, I can say cream the butter until fluffy, but if you've never made um, cookies before, mm-hmm. you don't know what fluffy is sure. or if you're at fluffy or past fluffy. Yeah. So she's yeah. really good about saying what it is that you're looking for. That's interesting. Um, is there a technique that you're still intimidated by in the kitchen pastry-wise where it's like, I'm still not good at that? Um. It's a little embarrassing to say, but I would say that my knife skills are not totally. where they should be mm-hmm. for a professional. Yeah. Um, my knives are not that good quality. I have a few sure. good knives, yeah. but our knife lock, Travis and I bought when we moved to Seattle when we were <laughs> 22 years old, and mm-hmm. the whole set was like 50 bucks, so we thought like, wow, yeah. that's got to be nice because that's expensive. <laughs> but it came with four knives and the block itself and the scissors, so yeah. when you break that down per knife, that's like yeah, a $10 cheap. cheapo so um they they're not sharp and i sharpen them all the time and Mm -hmm. they're just so low quality that they don't hold yeah an edge an edge so that's what i have to work with i know i keep intending to uh, improve my knife selection but yeah i would say that my knife skills are not where they should be and it's it's a little embarrassing it's there's calling me out justin no it's always good to you know one make people know that you're not uh stepping up to bat and hitting a home run every single time with everything that you do like yeah. i think it's important to let everybody know that especially with solopreneur stuff there's a lot of struggles mm-hmm. there's a lot of obstacles there's a lot of things that you have to be a rational optimist and you can't be delusional you can't think that everything's perfect even though it's on fire yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i think i think it's important for people to hear that everybody has things that they're not good at yeah i mean they're fine they i get by totally i would say that my knife skills are better than travis's yeah yeah yeah. but i have enough knives lying around here that i should just send you home with one and then we should do a collaboration where you teach me something with baking and i teach you something yeah, with knives we can that do sounds that. like I a like good that idea. idea so you see see how this stuff works <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of awesome um i think i answered i think i went through all of the things that i wanted to ask you but if there's anything that you want to chat through or anything that you want to leave people with, anything that comes to mind that you want to get out into the world to share. Um, I've been really enjoyed talking with you. Same to you. And yeah, my platform is only on Instagram right now. So those of you who are on Instagram, thank you. And I'm not elsewhere. <laughs> I do get the question often For now. of where can I buy your stuff or anything. It's all Instagram in my own kitchen right yeah, yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. working on solutions for that yeah, to get you into more <laughs> more scenarios. Um, okay. Well, we're going to taste these. Uh, and I really hope that Anna's 
family enjoys them. I know yeah. they're going to. Um, but yeah, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. So what's inside this one? Champagne, strawberry, pistachio, buttercream. How do you make strawberry buttercream? I have been using jam. Mm -hmm. And I recently <laughs> bought freeze-dried strawberries to mm. enhance the flavor a little bit. <laughs> the champagne I reduced champagne. It is Whoa. real champagne in there. I've tested um champagne flavors and powders and things and uh -huh. they just don't taste the same. Wow. And this one? Pistachio. Pistachio buttercream. Yeah, so there is pistachio in the shell and mm -hmm. then pistachio paste in the buttercream mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Crazy how well this texture holds up. The all pistachio flour. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, those hit the nail on the head for me with um, what I look for in a macaron. With like it, like the shell cracks just a bit, but then it's chewy. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I like in macaron. Some people like it like some really people like brittle, it really crunchy. Yeah. I don't. I don't like that. We did it. You're in Outro Land now. Thank you so much. I appreciate your ears more than you'll ever know. Hey, by making it to the end, you're the type of person that I want to speak to directly. This little production is constantly growing. If you enjoyed this episode, if you like what I'm trying to do with this show and want to make sure more people can find us, a free way to help out that takes less than three minutes is to leave The Emulsion a great review on iTunes. If you didn't enjoy this show, please also leave a review. I'm happy to take any constructive feedback you've got. If you want to learn more about supporting this show with your hard-earned cash, patreon.com slash justinkana is the place to do that. I've got tiers starting at just $1 per month. Let's say you just like being involved through suggesting stories to be covered or asking questions to my interview guests. You can stay up to date by following along on Twitter or Instagram that is linked up in the description for your convenience or always available on justincona.com. If you're on YouTube and listening, you can take this show on the go because this is available on all podcast platforms, including Spotify. And if you prefer video versions of things like my interview shows or the shorter intermezzo episodes and you're listening audio only, please check out my YouTube channel to see more of that. Now's normal where I'd say my name is Justin Kana and I hope you have a good one, but you've probably got another podcast episode to listen to, so I'm just gonna get out of the out of the way here. Excuse, excuse me. Pardon me. <laughs>